Luke chapter 12, verse 1, and it reads as follows. In the meantime, when they were gathered together in innumerable multitude of people, insomuch that they trod upon one another, he began to say unto his disciples, first of all, Beware ye of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. For there is nothing covered that shall not be revealed, neither hid that shall not be known. Therefore, whatever ye have spoken in darkness shall be heard in the light. And that which ye have spoken in the ear in the closets shall be proclaimed upon the housetops. And I say unto you, my friends, be not afraid of them that kill the body, and after that have no more that they can do to you. Uh, but I will forewarn you whom ye shall fear. Fear him which after he hath killed hath power to cast you into hell. Yea, I say unto you, fear him. Are not five sparrows sold for two farthings? And not one of them is forgotten before God. But even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, therefore, ye are more valued than many sparrows. Also I say unto you, whosoever shall confess me before men, him shall the Son of Man also confess before the angels of God. But he that denieth me before men shall be denied before the angels of God. And whosoever shall speak a word against the Son of Man, it shall be forgiven him. But unto him that blasphemeth against the Holy Ghost, it shall not be forgiven. And when they bring you unto the synagogues and unto magistrates and powers, take ye no thought how or what thing ye shall answer or what ye shall say. For the Holy Ghost shall teach you in the same hour what ye ought to say. Let's pray before we get into today's uh, message. Dear God, thank you for gathering us in your house to hear your message, to hear your word. Lord, may your word be made manifest across this nation, across this congregation, across everyone this Sunday. That this Sunday, may Christians gather up and hear your voice and hear your message, share, know your word, know your desire for us, and follow it. Be with me now as I try to speak some of your word right now. and pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Today, I want to talk a little bit about fear. Fear. Because fear is all the rage nowadays. It's the buzzword of our generation. It sure seems like it. Because it seems like people are afraid of everything, right? That's what it seems like to me, the observer of the world, the observer of culture, the observer of everything going on. If you're watching the news, reading the internet, looking out there, it sure seems like there's a lot of stuff to be scared of right now. The biggest news story in the Bay Area of this past week has been the crazy fires going up in Butte County. The campfire spewing toxic smoke all over the place down here. Not to mention the very, very many who up there have died, lost their homes. You know, fires still going on, burning like crazy. Outdoors, we're still being told, don't go outdoors. You know, watch out for the toxic smoke. Our air is worse than Beijing, China nowadays, right? Seems like people have a lot to be scared of, right? People are all worried, right? You know people like this, right? They're worried and they're scared. Like, oh, when is the next wildfire going to come, right? Is this the product of global warming? Do we have to be worried all the time? Do we now need to go have on stock, you know, these masks that, that they have like in China, right? When you go on the street, you got to make sure you have a mask. got to be prepared, right? We're scared of the fire to come, right? Oh, do we want to go into the areas with like huge uh, foliage, right? And live in the mountains? Maybe not. We're scared 
There could be a fire, right? We can't go outdoors, right? We're scared for our kids. Soccer practice is canceled, right? School was canceled this week, right? We're scared. We breathe in the toxic air. Something can happen to us. We're scared. And it's not just those disasters, right? If you look on the media, every news story is about all these horrible things going out there, right? How many news stories have there been about all these mass shootings, right? The news stories make it seem like there's mass shootings. It seems like it's all the time, right? Before, it used to be like a rare event and we'd all be outraged. Now it's like in the news all the time, right? That there was some school and then the people got shot up, right? Or there was some bar, people got shot up. There's some concert, there's some movie theater, people got killed. People are worried nowadays, right? There is a survey among high school students. What are you most scared about today, right? High school students have plenty of stuff to be worried about, thinking about the future. But surprisingly, the number one answer they said was, I am scared of school shootings. Isn't that a shock, right? Isn't that a shock? I'm surprised to hear that, like, for example, my kids in their schools, not only do they have earthquake drill, fire drill, which we all had when we were kids, right? They also now have lockdown drill, lockdown drill, right? Practicing hiding, being quiet, just in case, right? The gunman comes in or whatever, looking for people to kill. That's the world we live in, it seems like nowadays, right? We are scared. People are scared of this, right? Scared of the gunmen, scared of the terrorists, right? Oh, we don't want to go to the crowded area or scared of flying on the airplane or the whatever, or the subway. Could this be the day the terrorist attack comes? People are worried about it, right? We want more security, security in the airport, take off your shoes, scan your bag, this and that. We are scared even in the stuff that you think typically is not scary or life and death we've made it into a life and death situation right again look at the news recently just a couple weeks ago what do we have we had the big election right and elections typically are just a political thing usually right but this time what was all the news talking about well depending on what your politics are they're, either way, what are people saying? That this is a matter of life and death. Whoever you vote for is going to be a huge deal, right? We got to be scared. Vote because you're scared, right? Vote that if, oh, you know, we vote for the Republicans, we're going to be scared because they're going to impose all these, like, horrible laws and, you know, all the immigrants will die, right? Or on the flip side, oh... Vote for, if you vote for the Democrats, it'll be horrible, right? You got to be scared because they'll allow on all these illegal immigrants and they will murder you and you will die, right? That is literally what the news was saying for weeks and weeks up into the election. Did it not? That's the world we live in. The world of fear. Are you scared yet? How much has it permeated life? It permeates even into the regular everyday mundane things we live in fear of oh am i gonna catch some disease and die right am i is it i'm gonna cross the street and get run by a car by some guy who's texting and die right you look at every commercial every ad it seems like this right even what we eat and drink right oh you can't drink soda anymore right because you'll get diabetes and you will die 
So you say, I'm gonna drink diet soda. No, you can't drink diet soda because it has artificial sweeteners, which will give you cancer, and then you will die. So you say, oh, you can't drink soda. I'm gonna drink water, right? Well, you can't drink water because your tap water has contaminants like chromium or whatever. You drink that and you will die. Or you say, I'm gonna drink bottled water and be safe, right? Well, guess what? Bottled water has BPA in it. You'll drink it and you'll get cancer and you will die. So we are scared of everything. I think you get the point now, right? We're scared of everything. It's no surprise that you look out in the world today, how many people have anxiety, right? Then you see psychologists, right? I'm anxious, I'm worried, I'm scared, right? Everything you click on on the internet has something you gotta worry about, right? Everything you watch in the news is something you gotta worry about. Fear, everywhere. But what does God say about fear? What does Jesus say about fear? Do we have to worry about all this stuff as Christians? What does he say? That's what we'll look at today. A little bit, right? That comes from these verses over here. These verses right here in the book of Luke. Look at chapter 12, verse number 4. What does Jesus say when he's talking to the multitudes? He's got a huge group of people here talking about stuff, talking about fear. What does he say? He says in verse 4, And I say unto you, my friends, be not afraid of them that kill the body. And after that, that no more that they can do. He says, all these things you're afraid of that will kill you, you should not worry about it. In short, Jesus says, we ought not to fear any, any earthly concerns, right? We shouldn't fear any earthly concerns. Now, you got to imagine when Jesus was saying this 2,000 years ago, roughly 2,000 years ago, you know, you think we have a lot of stuff to be scared about now. Think about those people that lived back then, 2,000 years ago. Did they have folks stuff to be scared about? Those folks had a lot to be scared about, probably a lot more than us, because they lived in an era, right, that didn't have the same laws about safety and the same medical technology or whatever. You can imagine that when you live back in Jesus' day, you really literally could die at any moment. Not because, oh, I'm scared of some shooter coming in, which is, you know, some rare event. It's like, oh, some guy gets angry at you at the market. Everyone carries a sword. They could start hacking you up right away, right? That's the culture back then. No one cared if someone, like, hacked you up with a sword or whatever. Or they're about being scared of diseases. Of, I might get cancer in 30 years from breathing in this bad smoke, right? Well, those people back then, if you got a disease of anything, you could eat something bad that you bought from the market and you get a disease and there's no medicine. You die the next day, right? Because there's no medical care, no antibiotics, no nothing. So for those people living back then, they sure had a lot of stuff to fear, right? It's in their daily life, right? Their life expectancy was what? Like 40 years old, right? They had a lot of fear from the world. Jesus says, don't fear those earthly things. Why is that? What's the worst case scenario? What's the worst case scenario for them? The worst case scenario is, it's a one-time event, right? You eat the bad thing, you get sick, and you die. Then it's over, right? You get the guy angry at the market, and he hacks you up with a sword, and then you die. And then it's over, right? As Jesus said in verse 4, after that, there's no more they can do to you, right? You can only be killed 
once with your physical body, right? There's only one time they can murder you. There's only one time that uh, you can get the disease. And that's true for any of the sufferings we experience today, right? All of our sufferings that we talked about today, that people are worried about, they all have an end point. No matter how bad the fires right now in Butte County are, they will end at some point. The fire is going to be put out. Might not be today, might not be tomorrow. But at some point, the fire is not forever, right? No matter how much you are scared about the terrorists or whatever, they'll kill some people maybe, but they won't live forever. Even if they die of old age, they will die eventually, right? The terrorist does not live forever. He's not killing forever. The worst case, these earthly fears are one-time things that end. And for the Christian, we have the, have the everlasting peace to know that even if that one-time thing happened to us, it's over. And then what? We have the peace of mind of heaven, right? The horrible thing happened. We got caught up in the fire. We died. Well, go to heaven. That's not a bad consolation prize, is it, right? It's not something you'd be super scared about and worried about. And again, I say all these things not to minimize all the suffering going on right now and all the problems going on that, you know, certainly we all worry about too and we pray about and we're scared about. But we know this, that we have a God that is greater than all those things, that tells us not to worry about all those things in the same way that an unsaved person might worry about. Because what? Luke chapter 12, verse 5, the next verse. What does Jesus say? But I forewarn you whom ye shall fear. Fear him which after he hath killed hath power to cast into hell. Yea, I say unto you, fear him. Who is the him? Who is the one with the power to cast us into hell? We ought to fear God. That's what Jesus says. All these little earthly things, all the problems we think are big problems that we care about now, they are nothing compared to God. In the worst case scenario, in the worst case scenario, if you don't have God, you don't fear God, you don't repent to God, what's the worst case scenario? The worst case scenario is not only do you die here on earth, the worst case scenario is that your death continues on with your everlasting soul. It's not just you died in the fire in Butte County. It's you died in the fire and now you go on to a second fire, the fire of hell. The fire of hell, though, is not a fire that will end eventually. There's no firefighters bravely fighting for you. There's no hope of rain coming to put out the fire. What is there in hell? There's nothing. There's nothing but everlasting, continuing suffering. There's no end. If you're a non-Christian, there's that unescapable, horrible, terrible conclusion of everlasting hellfire. That's what Jesus says we ought to fear. We ought to fear that more than anything on earth, right? More than, oh, we might breathe the smoke and get asthma. More than the shooter might come into school and shoot up our kids or whatever, right? We are, like, obviously, obviously, we care about those things, but those are nothing compared to the everlasting, the everlasting and eternal thing. People lack perspective. People lack perspective. There's more than the here and now. We can't see beyond what's in front of us, especially, as we said, the unsaved. Imagine if you were unsaved and you don't believe in God, you're some atheist, right? You really would live a life of worry and fear because that's all you got, right? Like, oh, 
I have to worry about this could kill me, that could kill me, this could give me disease, that could give me disease, because I have no security in life, right? If you're the atheist and you have nothing to believe in, that's your worry all the time. I've got nothing. This is all I've got. I better take care, right? I better make sure I have the best present life I can have, that I'm keeping everyone safe, that I'm fighting for the healthiest thing I can get, right? Clean the planet, clean the environment, health regulation, this and that, all these things that they care so much about. Their focus is on the here and now and not the eternal. They can't see that. They can't comprehend that. We ought to. We ought to see behind, beyond the comfort and safety of what we have and what we strive for. And of course, we all do that anyways, right? You know, that's only logical that we'd want to have safety and comfort here on Earth the most we can. But we ought not to lose that perspective of that second thing, right? That second thing, which is the eternal and God's will, right? There's a famous verse about laying not our treasures here on earth where moth and rust doth corrupt, right? But laying up our treasures in heaven. We spend our time, energy, on money, on earthly things. Certainly, that's true. But do we also care about putting our time, effort, energy, money into heavenly things? The ones that are going to last forever, right? Forever. When our time comes, when it is that we wind up dying or whatever, we're not going to care about how much money we have here on earth, how many houses, how many years we live even, that we, we skipped out on getting all these diseases because we had the best health care or whatever. It's not going to matter when we go to the next life, right? All those things we put behind us, right? All that's left is what's with us in God, in heaven, all these things. It's not going to matter all that much. It's not going to matter all that much. So why should we fear? Fear God? Well, it's all related to what we're just talking about, right? Number one, we just mentioned it. God has the power to send us to hell. That's probably the, the best reason of all, right? Why are we scared of God? We sure don't want to go to hell. We don't want to spend everlasting eternity burning forever and ever, right? A burning doesn't end with just one day or one week or one year, but for eternity. You know, people think this. People think this. That hell is a place where only the worst people go, right? The old saying, hell is for Hitler, right? And certainly, Hitler's probably in hell right now burning, right? And bad people like the terrorists or the murderers and the school shooters, the ones that are unsaved, unrepentant, evildoers, certainly that's true. But here's a surprise and the thing you might not realize. The majority of people in hell are going to be people that aren't like that, right? There's only so many Hitlers on earth, right? But you know what there's a lot of? There's a lot of people that are unrepentant sinners. Sinners just like you and me that never had the chance to accept Jesus Christ as their savior. People that cared a lot about all these things that we're afraid of. People that worked very, very hard to help prevent the next school shooting, to help with the fire relief, to help with you know health initiatives. These people that worked so hard on it you're saying those people will wind up in hell too? 
They work so hard. They try to do good on earth. Yes, because we're all sinners and we all face this judgment. We all ought to live in fear of God. I've used this example a million times, right? You heard me say it many times, right? But Mother Teresa, right? The most famous do-gooder in our lifetime, probably. Spent all this time helping the poor, the sick, the impoverished, the needy. But if she didn't have God in her life, to save, Jesus in her life to save her from her sins, which she may not have, being a Catholic nun and all, you know, for all the good she did, it means nothing. It means that she could be suffering right now in hell as we speak. All those good Jewish people that are out there fighting for equal rights and for uh, all these things out there that they're caring about, they wind up in hell if they don't have Jesus. All these Mormons that are caring about all these passing laws that are good for the country to uphold our morals, it means nothing. They don't have Jesus, they go to hell. Right? All these good Muslims out there, right? The ones that are out there fighting the terrorists, right? Not helping the terrorists. They're fighting the terrorists. They're being, trying to bring peace to the world. They go to hell too because they don't have Jesus. That's the truth. That's the truth. We all sin. We all deserve hell. We need Jesus to save us. We need that fear of God. Because God is all-knowing. Does it say in verse 6 and 7, what we're studying here, are not five sparrows sold for two farthings, and not one of them is forgotten before God, but even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Usually when we talk about these verses, we talk about it in the very positive sense, that, oh, God, he cares about the sparrows and stuff, so clearly he will care about you. But the flip side is also true. If God knows every time a sparrow is sold, if God knows every hair that's on your head, does God also know everything about you and everything in your heart? and all the sins that you've done, and all the wrongdoing that you've committed in your life, does God know all that? Oh yeah, certainly he knows that too. If he can tell you that you have 156,256 hairs on your head, he can tell you also all the sins in your life, right? We talk about it when we witness the kids, right? Sometimes they say, oh yeah, we've done a lot of sins, thousands of sins probably, right? God can probably sit down and say, yeah, Norman, you've done 1,256,282 sins. He's got that record. He knows it. He knows all I've done wrong. He knows all of you done wrong. And because of that, we face that judgment for all of that wrongdoing. It doesn't matter how secret we try to hide it, right? People always think, we can hide it, get away with it, right? And, you know, you might be able to get away with it here on earth, right? You always hear about it on the news, right? That someone got accused of murder and they got off, right? They, quote, got off or they stole some money and there was enough evidence to put them in jail or whatever. They got away with it. Well, they might get away with it in man's eyes, but certainly they didn't get away with it from God. God knows. God knows our every weakness and every wrongdoing and every problem. In fact, what does it say in verses 2 and 3 of the verses that we were just studying here? It says, for nothing is covered that shall not be revealed, right? Neither hid that shall not be known. Whatsoever ye have spoken in darkness shall be heard in light. And that which ye have spoken in the ear in closets shall be proclaimed upon the housetops. 
Does God know? Oh, yeah. God knows everything we did. He can proclaim it to everyone if he really wanted to, right? He can let everybody know. We're seeing this being aired out all the time in the media today, right? When we see all these people right now coming forward with all these, like, years-old allegations of all these, like, sexual assault and wrongdoings. Guys like Bill Cosby, right? You thought he got away with it for decades, literal decades. He got away with it, right? Ah, but you know, there's only so long before God can shout it from the rooftops, it says, right? Proclaim it to everyone. Now everyone knows what Bill Cosby did, right? Now his TV show is not on TV anymore, right? No one will be associated with him ever again. And he's getting, you know, sent to prison and all these kind of things like that, right? That's the way God has it. He has records. He knows. You think you can get away? You can't get away from God. You can't get away from God. So how do we live the proper, the proper fearful life, right? The proper fearful life. Well, we got to know this, that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Number one, our focus is on the fear of God. Not getting embroiled in the fear of all these other things, right? You can imagine how much time effort, energy, people spend on working on this campaign, that campaign, and all these other things. Like I said, those things aren't necessarily bad things, but they're not what God's focus is on, right? God's focus isn't on, oh, we need to save the environment so that we can all live longer. God's focus isn't on, we need to, uh, you know, have all these, like, uh, you know, uh, anti-racism, uh, anti-murder you know, laws and things and that, that we've got to march for and all these kind of things like that. Again, not bad things, but that's not what God's focused on. Our fear should not be about all those things, right? It should be fear of Him, right? What does God want us to do? We read in verse 8. Verse 8, it said what? Whosoever shall confess me before men, him shall the Son of Man also confess before the angels of God. Right? He wants us to confess him before men. Right? If, we, if we're scared of him, if we're scared of him, and we're doing what's right, we're going to call out to Jesus. We're called to Jesus in a public way, not just in our own heart. Oh, Jesus, thank you. You saved me. But to other people, to share that message, right? It's a public thing, right? Confess before the angels of God that we have Jesus in our heart. When we do what God wants, when we fear him, the first step is to share that message share that message, right? That's how we take that first step of being fearful for God, right? Think about this way. Think about how fearful we were in those examples I started off with, right? You know, I'd sure be fearful of the, uh, you know, the mass shooter guy if he was coming after my family. We all would be, right? If we knew all our friends and our family in this room right now, right? And the mass shooter would come in, we sure would say, I'm scared of that. I would never, ever want that to happen. Not in a million years, right? We would do anything to stop that because we don't want all of our friends and family to be gunned down by some madman, right? Well, think about this way. 
Think about it for God's perspective. Rather than the madman coming to the door. What happens if all of us right here, here today, were cast into not the situation of the shooter, but cast into everlasting hell? Would you want your family to be cast into everlasting hell? Would you want your friends to be cast into everlasting hell? To be burned, not just one day, two days, but forever? Would we do everything in our power to stop that from happening? We say that all the time when we talk about all these other bad events here on earth. We would want to stop it. Even one death is too much. That's the saying. In our life, would we say we want to stop people from going to hell? Even one guy being sent to hell, one family member, one friend, that's too much. Is that our attitude here? I don't think we think about it like that so much. But it ought to be our guide. As we enter into the Thanksgiving and Christmas seasons, times when we want to, that we have opportunities to share the gospel, to share God's message with more and more people, do we take advantage of this time? Do we throw out that lifeline? Do we act with the fear of God? The fear that if I don't act, if I don't share God's message, my friend, my family, that person could go to hell. Do we live in fear of that? We should. That ought to be our guide. That ought to be our dedication. That we should know that that sphere is scarier than anything on earth that they can throw at us. Let's look at this final quote as we wrap up here from William Gurnall. It says, we fear so much because we fear God so little. We fear men so much because we fear God so little. One fear cures another. When man's terror scares you, turn your thoughts to the wrath of God. Right? All those people worrying so much about the things of earth. If we worried more about the things of God, maybe that would help solve a lot of our earthly problems and get us all in the right place, the right eternal place. Let's end in a word of prayer. Dear God, we live in a scary world. We know it. We watch news. And certainly we want to pray for all the people going through bad things right now, whether it be fires and destruction and diseases and all those things. We wouldn't wish those on anybody. But we also know that that's not our biggest fear as Christians. Our biggest fear is the eternal, the everlasting fire, the everlasting damnation that you bring on us in hell. Lord, we're scared of that. We want to do our best to avoid that, that we in our lives first we get saved and we share your message of salvation with as many people as possible so that they don't get stuck in that fire, that everlasting fire either. Lord, we ask that you be with this congregation as we go into the Thanksgiving week, that we have a lot to be thankful for. But always, always remind us also to keep our eyes on you and the everlasting, Lord. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.